Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. The American Psychological Association is linking masculinity ideology to aggression, homophobia, and misogyny. And uh, the story quotes a uh, guide from the APA, and this study was multi-year in being done, from what I understand. Socialization for conforming to traditional masculinity ideology has been shown to limit male psychological development, constrain their behavior, result in gender role strain and gender role conflict, and negatively influence mental health and physical health. The first time in 127 years, the APA has issued guidelines to help psychologists specifically address issues with men and boys. story goes on to say the latest guidelines linked constricted notions of masculinity to aggression, homophobia, and misogyny, saying such notions, quote, may influence boys to direct a great deal of their energy into disruptive behaviors such as bullying, homosexual taunting, and sexual harassment rather than healthy academic and extracurricular activities. Uh, joining me on the program to speak about this is Robert Levan, Professor Emeritus, Psychology, University of Akron, past president of the APA, and the first president of the Society for the Psychological Study of Men and Masculinity. Professor Levan, thank you very much for taking the time. Thank you, Ryan. I'm glad to be on. Now, why did you start? Uh, why was this, this, this uh, investigation begun, and when? Okay. Well, the American Psychological Association, which is the largest psychological association in the world, representing uh, well over 100,000 psychologists, and including both academics like myself, as well as practitioners who offer psychotherapy to clients, uh, issues guidelines for practice in which they try to blend the science aspect of a particular field, in this case, the psychology of men and masculinities, uh, and adapt it to the um, the facts on the ground for the practicing psychologist, which is best practices for helping boys and men deal with psychological problems. So in 2007, for example, APA had issued guidelines for psychological practice with girls and women. We also have guidelines for older adults, for gays, lesbians, and transgender folks, and for racial and ethnic minorities. So that's really the tradition in which it's coming. They're guidelines, not a study. Um, basically, it, it involves reviewing about 40 years' worth of studies as well as clinical case reports and trying to distill down from what we know what are going to be the best practices that can be most beneficial to boys and men who, by the way, uh, are in you know, great need of psychological services. Uh, are you on a speakerphone, Professor? No, I'm not. Okay. It sounds like you are. Uh, that's fine. I, uh, I I must ask you this. I'll put the phone closer to my mouth. I'm sorry. I'm sorry? I put the phone closer to my mouth. No, that's, it's, no, that's fine. Um, the, the terms traditional, or at least the term traditional masculinity, and, and what your, this guideline is for psychologists, right, and for practitioners. This is, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, how do you define traditional masculinity? And if you, if we can start with what traditional masculinity experience would be for a boy, and then uh, progress forward to 
when the boy becomes a man. Adulthood. Yeah, yeah, sure. exactly. So actually, the, the the term that we use in the field, and again, it's going to sound very academic to you, I'm sure, but we are academics, is traditional masculinity ideology. And what that means is there exists in the culture a set of beliefs about how boys and men should think, feel, and behave. And... Um, there are various ways to measure those. I've been working since the 80s uh, on a, uh, a scale called the Male Role Norms Inventory. And in my scale, there are seven norms that boys and men are expected to conform to. One is to avoid all things feminine, to not engage in any kind of behavior such as empathy and caring that might be considered feminine. They, uh, another norm is toughness dominance, restricting the expression of all vulnerable and caring emotions, uh, placing a great deal of importance on sex, uh, be very, being very self-reliant, particularly with regard to using mechanical skills, and finally, disdain for uh, sexual minorities. So those are kind of what we think of as norms, and like any psychological variable, there's a lot of variation in how this is applied. Um, there are communities and families that strongly believe in these norms, and sons of those families are, um, we say socialized, but essentially they are, you know, kind of taught that they should conform their behavior to these norms. Are, are you, su- are you saying, model- Professor, are you suggesting that these norms, these seven norms, uh, are they like across the male spectrum? I, you know, I grew up self-reliant. I had to. Um, my dad died when I was twelve, and uh, subsequent to that, I lived in a homeless shelter. So I had to become quite self-reliant. I'm good at it, uh, but that didn't mean that I'm I'm, I'm a person without compassion or caring for others. Um, some people said when I was younger, I was a wild child, so I guess I was, uh, you know, um, a male who participated in boys' activities. Uh, that doesn't mean that I that I don't have, again, that I don't have compassion for people. It just see, it seems to me, and and correct me, please, uh, if I'm wrong. It seems to me that you're compartmentalizing an, an entire gender, and that seems unfair to me. Um. What we were talking about is really the, the pressures that these, this ideology causes parents, teachers, and peer groups to put on boys to conform to these norms. Now, my research has also shown that most, most men, in fact, do not conform to these norms. They find some, like you're describing, some happy medium between being self-reliant and compassionate and you know, because we, we have to live in the real world with other people. What we're talking about is kind of um, a belief that, uh, or a set of beliefs that some people have that boys um, are should be required to conform to these norms. Um, I, I don't recall, I really don't recall, parents. I don't recall anybody in my experience growing up uh, requiring any any young male... Uh, who's a friend of mine in a family or a school environment or other environment, being expected to be lacking in 
compassion, to to not have to you know to be negatively uh, behave negatively toward toward uh, any group in in society. It, it, exactly the opposite. We were taught to 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 behave to behave. I guess I can use that word properly. Be respectful. Think before you act. Um, I think, Professor, with all due respect, I think you're being unfair. Well, I, I can see where you're coming from. Um, I, uh, I personally grew up in a working-class neighborhood and a working-class uh, family, and I can recall from very early age being punished when I, when I cried that, you know, you have to learn to be tough. Uh, and what I was saying is that there are many different kind of family backgrounds mm-hmm. in the world, in Canada and U.S., and, you know, not all families endorse these norms fully. It's not universal. It's like any psychological trait. Would, would, you, say that it, would you say that it's a majority of families or a majority of groups or, or, or encounters a young well, man has? No, have, no, I have no way of knowing that. We don't have any data that, that says that. But, but wouldn't, a, that wouldn't, a, wouldn't, a guide, wouldn't a guide suggest that you... That that uh, that people who are practicing psychologists who are practicing would now look at the guide and say, "Well, this is my baseline, and my baseline is these seven norms the professional Lamatters talked about." What we're saying is that uh, that enough men uh, have uh, felt believed that they need to conform to these norms. That makes, for example, it very difficult for them when they're suffering from a psychological problem such as depression or substance use to um, to seek help. There's the extreme self-reliance. And by the way, I, go, I want to go back to one point you were saying mm-hmm. about these these norms. As I said, are not endorsed by most men. Where they get into problems is in two ways. One, when the community surrounding a boy makes him feel that they're obligatory, which doesn't happen in every case. And two, when men themselves kind of take them to the extreme. Now, you gave a great example of, you know, having to be self-reliant because you lost your father, very unfortunately. But you also said it didn't take the compassion out of me, which is wonderful. But boys who are made to feel deeply ashamed of themselves for showing fear and sadness do not uh, fair as well as you did. They will grow up. They will at that at that time come to feel deeply ashamed of themselves for feeling what are normal human emotions. Look, God gave both uh, all genders basically tear ducts, so he, you know he didn't expect that males wouldn't cry, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know what I'm talking about here is what we see in practice and. It takes a lot for a man who conforms to these norms. Say, say the man is depressed to actually, you know, make an appointment with a mental health professional. Okay, let me get you to hold on, Professor. I want to come back and talk to you some more. I have to take a break. We're talking to Professor Ronald Levant. He's a professor emeritus psychology at the University of Akron and a past president of the American Psychological Association. Um, yeah, traditional male mas- traditional masculinity is what the issue is. The subject matter is. We'll come back. Stay with us. 
All right, tra- traditional masculinity and the impact on boys and men. That's what we're talking with Professor Ronald Levant about from the University of Akron. He is uh, Professor Emeritus in Psychology and also past president of the American Psychological Association. Professor Levant, one of the issues that has come up in the last 10, 15 years particularly has been competitiveness and really the competitiveness between uh, among young boys, uh, boys growing up and then young men. Is, is, that, a, is that a factor? I, I guess what I'm asking you is how would you ideally express the need for young men to grow up? To What should the young male experience be like? Well, I think it should be unique to that young male. That's one of the things that these gender ideologies, they're also feminine, feminine ideologies, uh, do, which is they try to force fit a child's personality into a set of traits that may or may not fit that child. Some, some girls happen to be, uh, have a lot of traits that are thought of as masculine. They're aggressive, they take risks, and so forth. Some boys have just temperamentally a lot of kind and nurturing traits that are more typical of girls. And by trying to force children, you know, to kind of fit in to a preset of traits so that the, um, you know, the parents can feel like they're, you know, all boy or all girl is what we think is fundamentally harmful. So you, so, uh, so the parent is proud of the, the boy who's playing football, who puts on the helmet, but not necessarily proud of the boy who's in the, who's in the band. Uh. I don't know about the band because I don't. I don't think that that's particularly. Okay, I'm, maybe I'm. I'm not coming with the perfect example here, but. Yeah, not necessarily interested in the boy who uh, maybe wants to. Uh, he's a teenager and he wants to do babysitting for okay. the neighborhood, for example. Right. Uh, that would be a good example, or uh, you know, uh, a boy who basically does cry when somebody hits him, and uh, or. Uh, uh, you know, and when you mentioned football, I have counseled parents who I've heard say, you know, son of mine is not going to play football. I mean, to me, that see, it's the extremes that we're trying to target here. Mm. I mean, it, you know, football is a dangerous game. We all know that now. CT is a wide, you know, right. widely known about. Um, we can't force children to play a game like that so that they can satisfy us that they're all boy. That's nonsense. And the competitiveness, you know, again, it's, I think men and women compete. Um, I think it's the question of whether you take it to a stream. We have another scale called the conformity to male norms, conformity to masculine norms inventory, in which winning at all costs is one of the norms. And it emphasizes competition, but the notion that, you know, I must win everything I uh, do. Yeah, and and you can get parents who live vicariously through the lives of their kids. That, that right, sure. So, if you have, and we have about two minutes, if you have a, um, the idea, what's the, what's the ideal advice then um, for, for young men, for boys and young men, to their caregivers, to make sure that they turn out to be the best uh, they can be. Well, it would be highly unusual for children to kind of give their parents parenting advice, but I think I would say to the parents, I would give them the advice of Shakespeare. 
you know, to thine own self be true. Let your child be true to him or herself, whoever he or she is, whatever personality, you know, that they were endowed with, whether or not it fits stereotypical views of what a boy should be. What's the reaction been to the uh, to the guide? Well, there have been two sorts of reactions. We've got a kind of a lot of negative reaction from uh, uh, media that is typically associated with the right wing of politics. There's also, we got a negative reaction from um, some men in the U.S. who go by the name alt-right, and they've been uh, doxing some of us. I don't know if you know what that means, but basically I've been getting cell phone calls where someone starts screaming, uh, you know, curse words at me. I've right. gotten horrible emails about... Um, taking me off in a van at 4 a.m. with a... Oh, no that's windows insane. In I mean, you know, yeah, you know, so there's been this alt-right, I don't know if you know that term, but... I do, Professor. Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, so there's been that attack. On the other hand, there's, you know, been a fair and balanced kind of presentation by more mainstream media. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I have to I have to stop you there. I said we had two minutes, we're, we're out of time, but I appreciate you coming on. I'm, I'm going to read this guide more thoroughly. I've read the news stories, but I'll read the guide more thoroughly. And if you don't mind, we'll call you again. I'd be very happy to talk with you again. All right. Thank you very much Thank for you. having me on the show. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Professor Robert Levant from the University of Akron. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 